You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be. Welcome back to the same old Arsenal podcast episode. I don't know because I lost count five years ago, even though we've only been going for free, but I still lost count five years ago. Uh, I hope you're all well. Hello to everyone in the chat box. Um, a good few of you in there already. Good evening to you if you're watching this on replay. Hello. And if you're listening to this uh, on audio, hello to you too. We hope that you are all well and you are enjoying your morning walk or your jog at the gym or your evening walk out with a dog. You know how it goes where people are listening to audio or you're sitting in the car in a traffic jam. Hello to you all. Um, I hope you get moving soon. A star-studied guest tonight. Uh, six of us um, in here this evening. This is really the last match discussion podcast next week we'll, we'll, we'll do something a little bit different uh, we'll have a little bit of fun next week because it will be the last podcast of the season next week I wasn't going to do one but the boys have all shouting at me off air um, that we have to do one so we, we, we'll do one introducing this evening's guests of course Harry how are you sir I'm good it's been a few weeks so delighted to be back man how are you I'm very well, Matt. I'm very well, thank you very much. And um, congratulations on your commentary gig, mate. I actually uh, tuned into a couple of those, and I've, I've won the next Martin Tyler. I have, <laughs> I have to say <laughs> that that would be nice, man. That would be very nice, good, mate. I'll tell you, very, you're very good at it. I have to say, very good at it. Um, thank you, man. Appreciate that. It's great to have you back. Uh, the man who keeps the chat box clean is 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 on the panel this evening. We'd say we bring him in because we want to know what Nigel thinks about where everything's been going on. Nigel, let me take this chance to thank you very much for the work you do, not just in the chat box, but you've started doing the Match Day Live as well. And let me tell you, when I go through it, very professional and very well done. Thank you very much, Nigel, for everything you do for us. I know you're a bit of a silent member, um, but you, without you, we, we, you know, without you, I couldn't have a good, clean uh, chat box. So thank you very much. And welcome Hello. to the show, Nigel. How are Hello. you? I'm fine. I'm fine. It's great. It's great. It's great to be on the game. Good. 
good, good. What's that, Lee? Good clean box, is that what you just said? Like? <laughs> a good clean chat box. <laughs> I say what, mate, you, you, you're, you're, you, this, you know, this other channel that you be on is playing, making your mind dirty. <laughs> mm. It's bound to go out after eleven o'clock at night. Chat. Yeah, well, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Graham, how are you, sir? I'm very well, mate. Nice to be back. Um, I did think about doing an Arteta tonight, doing a formation change, having my wife sitting in the chair and me walking in, but she couldn't get the good evening, good morning, good afternoon right. So uh, we, we, we shelved that one. I just wanted to uh, congratulate Harry on a million views on his channel. Oh, yes, Chronic- absolutely. Chronicles of a Granite. <laughs> <laughs> and to say that I'm glad he's here tonight to... Uh, as uh, the Granite Jacker Arsenal career winds down, he can sort of like put the case why we need to have Granite in the midfield next season. I'd be interested to hear the debate going on between him and Dan tonight. I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. Dan, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm very good, man. It's been a nice few weeks uh, of peace on this podcast without Mr. Simu. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we're back to uh, back to the basics again tonight. Uh, no, I'm joking. Good to see everyone. Nice to have six of us on as well. Welcome to Nigel. Uh, and good to have Graham back with us as well. So I'm a happy bunny, mate. I'm trying to stay as positive as I can. I think I've I've been I've been fairly negative at times this season. I think I've been it's all come out of me now. I just kind of think I'm tired and exhausted. So I might as well just have a laugh towards the end of the season. No no stress and pressure now, is it? It's all off. So it was all, all those text messages I was sending you. I've changed your mind for I've I've changed yeah. your mind. That's I've changed the way you've been thinking. Judges, how are you, sir? I'm all right. I'm all right. Thank you very much. Uh, sorry in the uh, chat if we was a bit late because we just had This Is Your Life by Craig. You know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> so uh, sorry about that. Like, you know. But we're we're all on time now. Yeah, all good. Thank you very much. All good. Right? You were getting the blame, Lee. You were getting the blame in the chat. Oh, I always get the blame. Yeah. Listen, when I when I... When I do my um, media duties, I'm always on time. You know what I mean? Just saying, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, I am. had a busy week this week. A busy week. That's good. What, in the shop? That's good. I, I'm no, glad no, to hear not, it. Not in the shop. No, no, not in the shop. Other no. other things, other things, other yeah, things. Yeah. Obviously, there's one There's one member missing tonight. That is Mark. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. You're just, you know, you're blowing smoke up everybody else's backside. What about me? <laughs> like? what, what, what do you want me to say? Well, what have you been doing? You know what I mean? You could have said something like that. All right. Uh, Soli. No, that's all right. I can edit it. I'll edit it. I'll edit it. Soli, uh, what have you been doing this week? What have you been up to? <laughs> Nothing. Come on, move on. Right? <laughs> all right. Okay. okay. No, come on, seriously. What have you been doing? Uh, why have you been busy? Eating well, Belgian buns. I've eaten a Belgian bun. Did you see how big that Belgian bun was? Oh, my God. Like, you know I mean? So, yeah, I had that. But also, I, I, I was on the on the film set this week for the BBC, you know. So uh, well, congratulations, uh, mate! Which was really yeah, good. Well like done, so, um, uh, a new series coming out on BBC, and uh, the judge is in it. You know what can I say? Wow. You know, um, I'll tell you what. What an experience that was going on a set of a of a production, like unbelievable. So. Um, <laughs> But you do realise it's, it's just an extra, judge. obviously. It's just a walk-on part. It's just an extra in the background, I would imagine. No, no, no. I played myself. Thank you very much. You, you played know? yourself. Yeah, there was all there was all actors around. You know, I mean, oh dear, I played a Shakespeare. What you can play? Very good, wasn't it? Like, yeah. Oh, what am I? How you doing? Who is this? Who is this peasant dressed in an Arsenal tracksuit top? I know him. Hey. 
But there you go, like, yeah. So, um, and is it is it true, Judge, that you've given up Rose's chocolates? Well, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> Sorry, I missed that. Could you say it again, please? <laughs> Someone's series going off. Should we, uh, are we the comments are coming in? Yeah, we'll carry on. We'll, we'll, yeah, mute him. We'll carry on before he starts really getting going. Uh, we'll start with the judge Lee. What a week. Um, Beat Chelsea away from home for the first time in 10 years, oh, yeah, which is nice. That. Yeah, yeah. Got, like, it was Chelsea, nice, wasn't it? Um, a clean sheet as well. Drew in the bar. Yeah, which I, which I don't care. Good. As bad as it's all been this year, right, uh, any time we beat Chelsea, I love it because I can't yes. stop them, you know. Um, we put we put their top four um, place in doubt. Whether mm. they, I think they might still get it. It all depends on tomorrow. But uh, basically... If they'd have beaten us, they was they was in the uh, they was virtually guaranteed top floor uh, top four. We stopped that. They then go and lose a cup final. Oh, it all could be going wrong down Stamford Bridge. And I'll tell you what, in West London, I'd love it if it did, like you know. So um, uh, hopefully, hopefully um, Leicester can get at least a draw tomorrow. Um, but I, I thought um, we rode our luck a little bit. But that's what I want to see from away performances at times. Absolutely, in there. Uh, back to the wall stuff. Listen, that sort of performance and result has happened a, a, a lot of times against us over the years, and everybody's praised and said, "Oh, well done to who's ever done it." Like you know, so when we do it, good luck to us, and um, really enjoyed it. And um, as I say, you know, as bad as the season it's been, and it has been an awful one by that, we've we've mm-hmm. gone and got results at Man United and Chelsea this season, something that we don't do very often. So if we can sort out our home form and, and try and sort it out against every other team, we might be okay next year. You never know. You never know. You never know. I mean, like, there's people, you know, people in the chat there saying, you know, like Crook says, no, Craig, we didn't beat them. Um, they gave us the win. Uh, I, 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 I have to disagree with that. I'm afraid. I thought we defended really well. Um, and I feel uh, that's it. You need luck in football sometimes. And, and the footballing gods were on our side. I mean, Dan... If that if if we go to Stamford Bridge and we we get that result and it gets us into the top four, we're all talking about what a what a masterclass it was. You know, we went to Stamford Bridge, we kept a clean sheet, we robbed them, and we got the three points we needed. But because it's been such a bad season, people are flipping it over and like after we we beat Chelsea, people are flipping it over and using it with a stick to beat the manager with. Do you know? What I mean, mm. like. We, it's the first time we beat Chelsea. I understand it's been a poor season, but surely as an Arsenal fan, you've got to enjoy a win over Chelsea, and especially it being the first one in 10 years. That's as, an Ars- as an Arsenal fan, you've got to enjoy a win, and yeah, um, doesn't matter who it's against. When it's against Chelsea, it's even sweeter. I mean, <clears throat> I agree with uh, Unique Seventy Nine in the chat. There, a win is a win. You know, you can't be negative after you've just after you've just won a game. I think when you you win at Stamford Bridge, it's always a difficult one. Yes, they did. They they kicked it in the goal for us, didn't they? Let's be honest. They made seven changes for a cup final. They lost. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, and actually, you know, I looked at some of the uh, performances individually and I was quite impressed with the way that we defended. I thought Gabriel and Pablo Marie finally playing together looked good. Um, Smith Rowe. I mean, 
what's the talent we have on our hands here? The, the, the guy looks looks to me to be the real deal, potentially. So we have got some great players in this side. And I've never, ever said that we haven't got great players the whole of this season. I've obviously questioned the manager. Um, what's frustrating, and I can understand the frustration, and I think why people are looking at this negatively is because actually what we've done is win the games that mean absolutely nothing and not turn up in the games that were so, so serious for our kind of end of season against Villarreal. And I think that was why the fans were frustrated. Mm-hmm. I think what the negativity is linked to is the fact that we can go and play quite well um, attacking-wise against West Brom and then go and hold out a dominating, uh, being dominated by Chelsea and then actually defending very, very well and holding on to the lead. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because we're out of the Europa League and we can't get Europe. So I think people are looking at it as that way in terms of the negativity. But individually, I saw some of the players and thought, do you know what? Yeah, I think that they were out there trying at least. Um little bit confusion in some of the team selections, of course, but I've seen that all season, so I won't go into that. Another right back we got now, Bakayu Saka. Um, so a bit surprised by that. But do you know what? You can't sit there and be too negative because we've won the game and we've got a couple of games before the end of the season. And if I'm honest with you, Craig, I'm looking forward to, to what happens next really now. I think this yeah. season has been yeah. so emotional, hasn't it? And um, negative. It has been a negative season. It has. Um, you know, you can't you can't take it away. No one's going to deny that. So, yeah. No. So, of course, um, we're now looking forward uh, as opposed to backwards as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Harry, um, you've been away for a few weeks, mate. Um, what are you making of it all? What's, what's you know, what's, what's been happening? Um Beating Chelsea away, it's a good result, Harry, isn't it? Surely, I mean, you know. It's... Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't understand why fans don't want to enjoy beating a, a club that we've been mm. rivals with for so many years away from home. Like, I know it wasn't the most glamorous performance and I know, you know, it's, it's a bit different to going away from home and wiping the floor with somebody, but you've got to take a positive out of it. It wasn't vintage Arsenal, if you like, but it was a win and... You know, after what's been a really miserable season for the most part, like I actually quite enjoyed it. I know it didn't mean a great deal in the context of our season, but just to come away from a game against one of the the big six and and get you know all three points was brilliant. And look, prior to to Mikel Arteta's arrival, we hadn't won away at any of the big six since 2015, and we've done it twice this season. So I'm not excusing the rest of the season before everybody jumps to me in the comments, but I'm saying. That is something that we we can smile about. It is something, an area in which we've become a little bit more competitive. And it's something that in a season full of negatives, we should be, you know, lapping up a little bit, if I'm honest. Mm, absolutely. Nigel, let's come to you, mate. What, what did you think of the away win at Chelsea? Well, I totally agree with what um, the lads have already said. It's always a great, great to win at Chelsea. But we seem to forget we did the double over them. Because don't get we beat them at home. Exactly. Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always it's always a great it's always a great feeling to beat them at Stamford Bridge because I've got I've got uh, people I know who are Chelsea fans who who like to give it the big and when they when they beat us, but but to finally beat them after ten years, oh, it's such a great result. As as Dan and Harry said, it's not been a great season, but but to but to beat one of the big to beat one of the big six again like like we did again. Against United Old Trafford, and to do it at Stamford Bridge is always a great feeling. 
Mm, and I, absolutely. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And then, and then to top it off, what happened on Saturday? I was so pleased what happened Saturday to him. It was good, wasn't it? Beaten by VAR. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, what a, what a goal! What a goal from! Oh, uh, what a goal it was! What an absolute! It wasn't, what a it goal wasn't, to win a final! It wasn't! It wasn't one of the best finals, I have to admit, but what one one of the best cup final goals I've ever seen? Yeah, same here. It was a, it was a, it was an absolute corker, wasn't it? Well, well, similar to to Ray Parlers in in two thousand two. Mm-hmm. It was it was good, Graham. Um, what about you, mate? What did did you see anything encouraging? Um, in the Chelsea game, because a lot of people say that you know we were lucky, we rode our luck. They hit the bar, they hit this, they done this. I mean, Burton Leno's pulled off um, a weldie there at the end. I know he knocks it onto the bar, but and Giroud hit the volley on, on onto a bar. Um, but like I said, Nigel, sometimes uh, N- Nigel Graham Graham, <laughs> like I said, sometimes you need that luck in football um, to get the points. I mean that that result was a result that would have gone against us in, in a game, you know, that we would have been Chelsea and someone someone would have got a poxy goal and left the Emirates with, with the three points, you know. So it was about time um, we had a bit of luck, I think. Yeah, I think we have to be honest and say that Chelsea were wasteful with their finishing. Had they been more clinical, we would have lost that game. Um, it's interesting, and as Harry says, we since Arteta's been in the last 18 months, he seems to know how to set us up against the big clubs. I mean, we matched Chelsea up in that game, formation 3-4-2-1. He played the three centre-backs. He played the, the midfield pivot. He played like Odegaard and Smith-Rowe in the half spaces. Uh, and he played the wing-backs high for width with, uh, with Aubameyang down the middle, uh, which matched Chelsea up. Um, I think um, if you look at the game, we were gifted the goal and we had a lack of goal threat in that game. Um, and but defensively, um, and I think this is something that also I noticed in the game. We sat quite deep in the game, uh, in a sort of like a five-four-one shape out of possession. Uh, and to be fair, for a long period of that game, Chelsea didn't look like scoring. So um, we seem to sort. He seems to have this ability to set us up against the bigger teams uh, to defend uh, well in a structure. So. I think the problem he's had is it's come at the expense of the attack. And we've talked about this before. And if it's one thing he's got to improve next season, if he, because uh, he's going to need to hit the ground running next season, I think, because he's going to be under pressure if he doesn't. He needs to get us playing, uh, attacking in a, in, a better, in a better way when we go forward to create. And I think, um, I think the season, really, if you're looking at the season, the season was lost, really, between October and December when... He had a, uh, we had those poor results. We only took something like 14 points in my first 14 games. The form since Christmas has been better, but it can't mask the, 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 the problems in the team. Uh, but I think the problem I see, as I said on this podcast before, is I think he needs to get the players in the right positions. And, and when he does that in a 4-2-3-1 shape, he gets players in a structure in the right formation I think we're a better team. And I've seen evidence since Christmas in certain games where I've seen when he does that, he gets the right result. He was hampered by injuries leading into that Villarreal semi-final. And I think tactically he made mistakes. But one thing I saw last week against Chelsea, although I think had Chelsea been more clinical in their finishing, we would have lost the game, was he seems to set us up in a structure uh, out of possession to, to sort of defend as a team, which I like to see. 
Uh, I just think that um, it's come at the expense of the attack. And I think if we're going to improve as a team next season, I think that's the area team he needs to address, Craig. Absolutely, the attack, yeah. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, mate. Couldn't agree more. Lee, let's come back to you. We had news that this Daniel Ek made a 1.8 billion offer um, to Stan Kroenke um, and that the Kroenke's rejected, saying that they do not need the money. Um, first of all, do you believe that that offer went in? Um, do you believe that he's going to come back um, with, with a second offer? Uh, and the thirdly, three questions. The Kroenke said he's going to back Arteta. Believe him? Well, uh, answer the first question. Yeah, I do believe that um, a bid was put in. Um, secondly, 1.8 billion is not going to be enough to, uh, to to get the Cronkies out. It's going to have to be a lot more than that. So, it's a starting bid. Uh, whether it'll go away or not, I don't know. Um, uh, do I think they sell? No, I don't, I don't think there's any reason to sell. Now, that is the big question. Do I believe that... Um, they can, if they can turn down 1.8 billion, right? They've got money, haven't they? You know what I mean? Like, they've got yeah. money. So, if they can turn that down, they can buy whoever they want, Arsenal. As, as an owner, he can buy anybody he wants because if you can turn down that sort of money, you know that you, you must have money. So, I, I do, I do think that Arsenal are going to do, do a mad one this season. I really do because I don't think they've Harry got Harry Kane, sh- huh? Harry Kane. No. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't, I, listen, Arsenal Football Club should be in for every top player that's going. That That is why we move stadiums and everything. We've got an owner that's got as much money as anybody else. It depends if he wants to spend it. Like, you know, if he, if he if he puts three, four hundred million into it, you know, um, Arsenal can get who they want. You know, there's a lot of talk about that. Now, whether he will do that or not, I don't know. That's, that's, we'll have to wait and see. But the model and the way we're going at the moment is not working. It's not working. It keeps, it's, you know, so somewhere along the line, you've either got to sell it or you back it and invest in it. It's as simple as that, you know, and, it, and it's come down to it now. What will happen? Um, I, I, I think that they will, um, spend some money. Whether they spend it on the right players and it's going to be with the with the right manager, that's a different argument. But I, I think at the end of the day, Arsenal will will uh, will bring in some players. I think one the club has sort of said that it's gonna um Arteta has come out and said um something along those lines. All the journalists are saying that there's going to be four or five players. Obviously three or four are going to go. We know that David Luiz is already gone. There's rumours of Willian Bellerin going you know, uh, uh, Granite Xhaka, rumours saying that he doesn't want to sign new con- I don't think he said he wants to leave. I think what he's actually said is he's not going to sign a new contract. So that's not actually saying you're going to leave, but in another way it is. So that, that's clever from him. If you're not going to sign the contract, you know, we've got to be looking elsewhere. So I think that um, it, it, is, it is important now that um, the Cronkies uh, give uh, Arteta... Um, the funds, if he's going to be staying, because I don't want to be looking at this time next season going, oh, well, he's hands aside and all this, like, blah, 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 blah. I, you know, he's got to be given the cash, he's got to have his own players in, and straight away he's got to do the business. 
if he doesn't do the business, he won't be here this time next season. Simple yeah. as that. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, I can't agree more. Like I've said, we, although you know I've sat here and defended the man all year. Um, if he is to be manager next year, then like I've said, I've said it before. He's under pressure from game week one. Um, well, he's under pressure. He's under pressure for under in pressure. two weeks' time. Yeah, he's under pressure in two weeks' time. He's got you know he's got a full summer. The Cronky say they're going to back him. Um, he, he's straight. He's straight under pressure. Dan, what do you hear? What do you think about the news of um, another another fellow that's been causing a bit of controversy in in the in the Twitter world? Is is Ryan Bertrand uh, reportedly coming to the Arsenal for free? Uh, if you ask me, I think it's a I think it's a no brainer. We need a left back. Um, if he if if he understands it, he's coming to, to Arsenal to play left to play second fiddle. Or to be a backup, and he wants to come here. You know, I'd rather have Brian Bertram playing left back than I would Granite Jacker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd uh, well, I'd rather have Ryan Bertram in centre midfield than Granite Jacker. No, <laughs> um, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I don't think the Omens a good signing because signing thirty-two-year-olds has not worked out well for us, in my opinion. From uh, a Chelsea a guy who didn't make it at Chelsea. But I'm all right with this one. It's weird, though, because I said this about Willian. I was like, I don't like it, the omen, but I don't mind this signing. And then the rest is history mm. with that signing. But I think if you understand what he's coming in to do, I think he is an upgrade on Kalasinac. So I'd be more than happy for him to come and, and understand that he's going to be second fiddle to Kieran Tierney. I think he'll play more games than people think because Kieran Tierney only really is fit for 20-odd yeah. games of the season. Exactly. It looks exactly. like he's had the first two seasons. I just pray that he stays fit because I love the kid. Um, maybe out of Europe, he'll keep himself more fit. I'm not sure. But we definitely need a position uh, to strengthen at left back in Ryan Bertrand. I disagree with Lee slightly in terms of who I think is going to come. I don't trust Kroenke to sign like a, a war chest. I don't I don't think yeah. we will have that. I really don't. I've heard this for 10 years. Um, we've never had a war chest in that 10 years, in my opinion. Why would we have it now out of Europe in a pandemic? Um, if there's any time, it won't happen. It will definitely be this summer. But I, I do have confidence, funny enough for me to say this, um, what I've been saying all season, I do have more confidence in Edu and Arteta's recruitment than I do what they do on the pitch. I think yeah. they've managed to get the recruitment pretty spot on in terms of player um, and positions that we've needed to strengthen. I think all of their signings, um, they've got more wrong than, uh, more right than wrong, put it that way, I think, in the uh, in terms of the positions needed. <clears throat> I look at some of the players we're linked with. I'm going to have to ask Harry to explain some of them in a minute because I'm not too sure. Sanderberg and Tossin and all these people, I'm not so sure about them. Um, I, I hear good things about them. I'm a fan of Basuma from Brighton. I think he's had a great season and would be a good partner for Thomas Party. But I think we're looking at those signings as opposed to a Jack Grealish or a Haaland, somebody yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So yeah. I don't expect us to go, you know, and, and and get 100 million from player sales and go and buy Jack Grealish. I do think, though, however, Craig, we'll see quite a few outs. I'm not so sure we'll see a lot of ins. I do think we'll see quite a lot of outs. I don't expect Torreira and Guendouzi to make it in an Arsenal shirt. Like Guendouzi, I do, but he's got a year left on his contract. So if he comes, he's going to walk in a free next summer yeah. anyway. We might as well make some money. Torreira, I can't see coming back. I think some of the young English lads will probably make some money out of Eddie and Ketia, maybe make the Niles. Willock looks to have found his level, killing it over in Newcastle, 20, 25 million. I'd accept that for him. Uh, Reese Nelson, I think the same. 
game. I'm just not getting it with him. A lot of people think he's a bag of talent, but I've not seen it personally. I'd like to take some money. Um, and it looks finally like Granite Xhaka, David Luiz, Bellerin and Willian are going to be out the door. So the wages, Craig, we're going to be saving millions per week yeah. um, next mm-hmm. season. So let's hope it's spent wisely. I have the confidence in Edu and Arteta to get them right because I've been impressed with Gabriel, Party, Pablo Marie, um, and even Erdegaard to a certain degree. I know he's gone off the boil a bit um, over the last few games through injury, but I think they've probably got more right than wrong. So that must be a good omen moving forward. I'm trying to trying to be positive and hope for a, a good summer, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same here. Um, I'm, I'm a bit more optimistic this summer because I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think I trust... I think I've got more trust in Edu and Arteta to, like you say, bring us in the right players than I have before, you know, in other seasons. Because it seemed to be, you know, Arsene Wenger was the one that said yay or nay on on, on everything. You know, even if he was offered a player, you know, a good player, if, if he didn't if he didn't like him, he wouldn't sign him. But the, it seems that Edu and Arteta have got their head screwed on a bit more about the recruitment. Well, well, we've I seen. don't want to do what I don't want to do, sorry, Craig, just cut you there. What, what I don't want to see, and I did want me to bring this up, I don't want to see Oxlade Chamberlain coming back, Ramsey coming back, and Chesney mm. coming back. I don't want any of that. I don't want to go back to 2010. I want well, to I'd take, I, 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 don't, I don't, I have, I'd have to play devil's advocate there. There is one player I'd take back out of all them, and that's Chesney. I'd definitely take him back. Definitely would. Because um, everyone yeah, knows I love him. I love him so much. Go on. Yeah, Craig, I've just got, I've just um, got up here the contractual situation. Can I come in, Craig? You can. <laughs> I was <laughs> waiting got- for that. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I've just got up the uh, latest contractual situations at Arsenal. These are the players with two years left on their contract. That's Leno, Bellerin, Jacka, Smith-Rowe, William, Nelson, Abamian, Mavropanos. We haven't talked about him. I think that he's somebody who could, you know, he's, he's improved since he's gone out on loan. He's someone... Mm-hmm. Um, we, I know Harry's more probably knows more about the player than any of us. I just wonder where he thinks the future for Mavropanos at Arsenal. Torreira, Maitland, Niles, and Willett. They're the, the players with two years left on their contract. The players with one year left on their contract, and these are some of the ones maybe we should be talking about, and we and obviously Dan's touched on it, is Chambers, El Nene, Lacazette, Naketia, Kalazanak, and Gwenduzi. And I know there's been talk this week. Uh, uh, of William, Louise, Jacka, Bellerin going. And also Leno has been sort of like in that um, debate about what his situation is. He, he's meant to have said that uh, basically he might want to go. Um, and I'll just throw this in before you possibly throw it out to, to Lee. Uh, the first team players Arsenal signed permanently from Premier League clubs since 2015. Listen to this. Right. Check. Mkhitaryan, Louise, Cedric Suarez and William. The last time Arsenal signed a player under the age of 27 from a Premier League club was... Anybody got any idea? Throw it out there, Dan. Theo Walcott. Yeah. No, no, Danny Welbeck in 2014. Danny Welbeck. Wow. Ah. Mensa. So, yeah, so, yeah so, so basically they're the players in the contractual situation left at Arsenal. I've heard last week that they're in the running for a right-back, a centre-back... A backup left back and a midfielder. That's what I heard. Harry, do you do you expect to see? I mean, like I'll come to you with a question. Do you know? Do you do you trust Con- do you trust the Cronkies this time? Is there any indication that this year they might actually do it? Is this is this European Super League thing going to work in our favour? Um, is he going to try and buy our love back, so to speak, um, by? 
because I mean, if we if it does go ahead, we could we could see a completely different eleven kicking off for us next season. I think he's got to do something because the further Arsenal fall, the less valuable their their asset is. And with Arsenal not being in Europe, it's a less valuable asset. That's the reality. Uh, so I do think they will spend something this summer. But I don't think it's going to be what, what people are hoping and what people imagine. And with Arsenal, they're very, very good, aren't they, at stringing us along for an entire transfer window. Mm. Getting a deal done right at the end, maybe one that came out of the blue for us as fans and then kind of dressing it up as this major coup at the end of the window. And it normally isn't actually the case. We normally still forget to or, or fail to address certain areas. I think the problem is that uh, Graham makes a great point about buying players from the Premier League and that we don't do it. And the reason we don't do it is because they're all overpriced. There is a premium that goes on top of any Premier League player. And that is why so many clubs go abroad to buy players. It's not because they don't want players with Premier League experience. Of course, that has some you know, positive. Of course, there is a bonus to that. They do it because they're simply going to pay too much money. And I wonder if looking at the stories that we've seen today, so we've been linked with Tosin Adaraboyo from from Fulham, young defender, 23 years old, somebody that Mikel Arteta would have worked with at Manchester City prior to him joining Fulham. And then we've been linked with Sander Berger. And I'm just wondering if we're going to see this summer a little bit of a shift in Arsenal's transfer strategy. If you just, I'll just quickly make this point. If you go back to Arsenal's most successful days under Arsene Wenger, right at the beginning, it's because we were making signings that were very low risk, i.e. not spending a great deal of money on them, based on potential and signings that were low risk, but had the potential to have huge rewards. And you can make three or four signings like that if they're low risk. And if only one of them works out, you're still in a really good position. And I wonder if Arsenal have gone through a little bit of a discussion and maybe they're planning a little bit of a reset in terms of the strategy. Because somebody like that, Tosin, you probably get him for £10 million. If you get him and another centre-back, just say for argument's sake, for £10 million each and only one comes good, you're kind of, you're still okay because the investment's not huge. Matteo Guendouzi is a prime example of that type of signing, £8 million. We're not going to lose money on Matteo Guendouzi even even if we sell him this summer. Because eight million pounds is a bargain, but that was a signing based on potential rather than where the player was at at the moment. So I just wonder if putting the pieces together, reading between the lines, Arsenal have decided they're going to take a different approach in the transfer market. And quite frankly, the one we're currently working with isn't working. So I'm not against them trying something different. But when people are sort of hyping us up in the transfer window and saying we're going to sign this player and that player and all these top talents and, and players that are big in the Premier League and of huge demand, I wouldn't get carried away. Because if if what I'm saying is right, then they're, they're going to look like really underwhelming signings on paper. Mm. Nigel, we've seen it happen before. You know, players players that have gone to bigger clubs from the Premier League, Some you know, some players have been relegated and have, and have been snapped up by... By clubs and have got have, and have gone on to be you know successful players. Do you think that is? Do you think that's the kind of that's the kind of thing Arsenal need to do now? Do they need to start looking at the younger, cheaper options? And like Harry says, take a bit of a risk yeah. um, on a couple of players. Yeah, I t- yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree with that, Craig. I totally agree with what Harry said. I know that um, when I sort of heard about uh, Sanderberg and uh, Tosin from Fulham. 
I think I was thinking not too sure about that, but but hearing what Harry said, I do I do tend to agree with it because mm. you never know they might they might come to Arsenal, they might turn to better players, yeah, and then and then as you know, as we always know, they always sit do good at Arsenal, and then they get sold onto a bigger club for for bigger for bigger money. Exactly. So I mean, like 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 Harry says, you know, it's low risk. Um, yeah, so yeah, exactly. perhaps that's perhaps that's the thing. Perhaps that's the thing we need to start it's, looking it's, at. I mean, it's looking at sell on values too. Yeah, we've yeah. not done that. We've we've not done yeah. that at all. And you look at some of the clubs around Europe, and and forget the Premier League for a minute. You look at somebody like Borussia Dortmund. I know they've had a disappointment this season, this season, but the way they've been able to constantly keep as close to Bayern Munich as possible is by unearthing talents. Lots of signings, lots of low risk signings. And when two or three of them blow up and they get the big reward, they're able to reinvest and keep going and going again. So mm. it's a model that we should be looking at, I think. Mm. Graham, would you, would you agree with me if I said that, you know, at, at this moment in time, this is probably for, for, for a long time, we, we've actually got some assets. You know, we've got Saka tied down to a long term contract. We've got Smith Rowe, who's been tied down to a, a you know a, a long a long term contract, we've got Kieran Tierney. Um, you know, if anyone wants to come in for him, he's going to cost money. Smith Rowe's going to cost money. Saka's going to cost money. Um, is this the start of a like Harry says? Is is this the start of that kind of model? Um, bringing in bringing in younger players um, and taking a risk on them. I think all our assets are in the same areas of the pitch. That's the only. Real thing, I will say, the likes of your Martin Eddies, your Smith Rose, your Sackers, they're all in that sort of like attacking third of the pitch. I think where we lack really is physicality. Uh, and we haven't got enough runners in our team, pacey players. These are the type of players, uh, whatever the model is, this is the direction we need to go in. We need to find uh, one thing we've seen, I think Gabriel and Party, as Dan says, is a, is a move in the right direction. They are physical players who are going to add physicality to the team. But the way football is now, football is, I've said it before, is all about physicality and power and pace. This is what our team lacks. So whoever we bring in, whatever model we choose to go, in my opinion, it needs to address this weakness in the squad and in the team. We need more power, more physicality in our team. And that's why Basuma would be a good signing. And I personally think he'd probably end up going to Man United or, or Liverpool. Mm, or, uh, but a player like that, would be someone I think is what we should be looking at. So uh, Harry talked about the model. Uh, I, I would think about the type of player, the type of player we need to make this team better. I think one thing we need in our team is players who can run with the ball, who can recover space. And this is what our team lacks. It's lacked it all season. It's why sometimes we don't push up the pitch. Arteta wants to move, I think, to a 4-3-3 formation. He's always talked about moving to a 4-3-3. But he can't with the squad of players he's got, basically, because they just can't do what he asked them to do. So I think he needs to get players to fit that type of style of play. Uh, and uh, whatever model we use, we move to, that is the type of player I think we need. I think mm-hmm. so. Yes, we have got great assets in our team. But one thing that worries me is the likes of your Smith Rose and your Sackers. They are developing faster than this team. Unless we get the right players in around them, they're going to be looking at their futures in a few years. I know they're saying they're committed to Arsenal now, but they want to win trophies. These players are winners. And these players have carried the team this year since they came in. I mean, Saka's been 
I think only Jacker and one other player has played more minutes than Saka this year. Mm. Uh, but since Smith Rowe's come in, he changed the dynamics of our season because uh, early in the season when we were playing 4 3 3 with the same sort of midfield players, Jacker, Party, and Sabias, we were struggling to create. Smith Rowe came in and gave us a different dimension and offered more creativity in between the lines that rejuvenated our season. But I think what we do need, as I said, is physicality and power. Players who basically uh, have got that little bit of pace, power, and can recover their positions. And, and also, I think I see a st- stat today, I, I forget where I read it, that basically Arsenal commit the fewest fouls, I think, in Europe as a team, All right, which tells you that our players have probably not committed 50-50 in challenges. So that shows a lack of physicality in the team to me. And I think that's an area that needs addressing. Lee, Graham talks about pace and power. We go back to the early Arsenal Wenger teams, full of it, full of pace and power. Um, and then we we move to the Emirates and he kind of starts going on a, a tangent of, you know, short and short and... Uh, Short and quick passes, you know, passes of the ball, technical players. Um, why, why do you think he'd done that? And is that what we need to see back at Arsenal? Uh, the pace and the power, you know, like Dan says, the Basuma uh, in the midfield with Partey, that would be a pretty powerful uh, centre midfield pairing. Um, you know, more more physical centre halves. I think Saliba will come in and, and, and be more of a I think Saliba comes in next year and I think he I think he's gonna go straight into the first team alongside Gabriel. Is that what we need? Is it is it the midfield there that lacks that bit of you know that bit of oomph, that bit of power um when it comes to match day? Well it lacks everything. It lacks power, it lacks, it lacks pace and it also lacks goals. So it needs it needs a reboot completely um without a shadow of a doubt. I don't, We'll look at um, Liverpool yesterday um, and, and watch them. Look how dodgy they are now because they ain't got decent central defenders. Mm. You know, look how look how vulnerable they are. So I think that shoring up their back four allows other players to play. You know, like um, Van Dijk and um, whoever they play central defence. It lets all, everybody else bomb forward and get forward and get involved in, in the play. But they're, they're not being able to do that. It's not that their central defenders are not bad. It's just they're not as good as what they've got. And, and that's where it's been a problem for us. We've not been able to defend the high line, defend so we can press and push into the midfield. So I think that's something they've got to look at. I think a central defender of, of real quality and leadership has got to be taken. Now, all the guys we're mentioning all that are all going to be good. I think Gabriel's going to be a good player. But I, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe we need another one. You know, Saliba is a little bit um, unknown, but I think we've got to take a, a risk on him and, and give it a go. And then we've got to look to go into the midfield. And I think that we we need power and pace in there. Now, Dan said earlier on, you know, I wouldn't go with Aaron Ramsey. I'm, I'm, I probably agree with that being 30 years of age. But we've got to get somebody in there that's going to score goals in midfield. You know, and not just one, two or three, 10, 11, 12. That, that, that's what you need from a midfield player. And we sort of took that for granted with Aaron Ramsey, if I'll be honest. We did. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, Good point. Um, so I'm not saying that we should go for Aaron Ramsey uh, and get, get him back, but um, we should be getting someone in there that's going to take the pressure off of the forwards at times. Now, I think that we've got to... Uh, do you know what? 
people criticise Theo Walcott and people like that, but that was where we had pace. We could like hit teams on the break and stretch teams and all that. We don't really stretch no one like you know. Pepe's not got blistering pace. So Graham's right in what he's saying there. Aubameyang looks like he's lost a yard of pace. So we haven't really got that now. If um, they're going to put their uh, chips in the in the basket for for Balligan to do that, I don't know. That's something that we're going to have to see. The thing is, we're going to go into next season not really knowing about Balligan because he's not been given a chance this season to excel. These last couple of games, I will see what he could do, but we've we're not going to know. So um, I, I think there are a few areas to, to look at, and I don't I, I don't really want to start going down of what Manchester City are doing all the time, you know, looking at the players that they've got and all that. I don't, I don't want to be looking at that model and, and, and all that because they've got play, they've got world, world-class players, you know. And, uh, you know, if you have a look at Manchester City this season, they were struggling a little bit until they brought in Diaz. And then look at look how they've got solid. And it's, I think you've got to, like all good teams, you've got to get a good solid base. And that is, and I still say it, whether it's football now 10 years ago or 15 years or 20 ago, is you get a good spine. That is goalkeeper, central defence, central midfield, forward. And I don't think we've had that for a very, very long time. We've had it in in parts, but not completely. When you look back to the the Invincibles when we won titles, we had that spine. And I think that's something that we've got to get back. Absolutely. Just quickly, sorry, Craig. Yeah, go for it, mate. Can I do a Graham and come in? Just yeah, quickly, absolutely. Um, on on that point about goals from midfield, it's it's absolutely spot on. Like it is it's so needed in this team. But when you look at the wingers as well, they also need to produce more. Nicolas Pepe has managed twelve goals right from forty five appearances, which is respectable. But for all the great things that Bukayo Saka's done this season, he's only managed seven in forty four. Emil Smith Rowe four in thirty one. So. These and Odegaard, you know, I think Odegaard's got two or three. So, yeah, Odegaard's got two in 18. So those guys need to contribute more as well, I think. And I think we, we're, we're looking at the midfield and, and Lee's absolutely spot on. The midfield does need to chip in with more goals. But when we're playing with a double defensive midfield pivot, if you like, then the whole point of that is to give Smith, Rowe, Saka, Pepe, Odegaard, whoever it is, that extra license to get that bit further forward without defending and make things happen. And and to be honest, we've slagged off Aubameyang and Lacazette at points this season, but they're the only two players, along with Nicolas Pepe, who have scored goals regularly. Mm. Yeah, great point, mate. Absolute great. I mean, and you've only got three, you know, you've only got three players scoring regularly, then, you know, what what do you expect? Just before I come to you, Dan, I just want to say thanks to Tyke, uh, who made a donation this evening. Um, as, as a lot of you know, the Super Chats and everything are switched off. The link is down below in the description um, if you'd like to make a donation. So thank you very much, Tyke. Uh, much appreciated. Dan, we've, to- we've talked about players that have players we need to bring in um and you said that we're looking you know you you said that we'd probably be looking at more outs than we are in um who goes for you mate and we'll we'll come to everyone on that as well you know who 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 has to go um granite jacko i think would be obviously at the top of your list we know that david lewis is leaving um we think that william will leave as well is there any you know is there any is there any reason to keep Willock? Um, could he be like like what Harry was saying? You know, could he be the risk? Could could we keep him here and take a risk on him? Um, it's not going to cost us anything because he came through to you, Frank. Um, you know, so 
What's what, what's your opinion now? I've never been a fan of Joe Willock, funny enough. I've always thought he was just a player that was never going to really make it at Arsenal. We've seen many, haven't we, over the years that have looked quite good, never really made it in the first team. I don't feel like he's been given the best chance by Arteta, but I feel like when he was given games in the Europa League, he scored some good goals. Personally, I think he's found his level at Newcastle and I think he's doing very well. And I wish him a great career because he seems like a switched on lad. He gives 110%. I just don't see it happening at Arsenal for him in this first team. And if we were to say, we're going to keep you, Joe, and put you on the bench most of the games, he would probably turn around and go, well, I'm playing every game at Newcastle. I've scored six and six. I'm going to stay here, thanks. Take the 20 to 25 million, whatever the hell it's going to be, and put that towards a Basuma. And then you've got Mm. a first team player. It's about being wise, Craig. Just want to come back on something that Harry said, which I think is spot on. Um, about goals from wide. It's weird, isn't it, that we slag off Pepe? (laughs) But he's probably been one of our better players this season, amazingly, because I don't really think he's had much game time in comparison to some of the other players. And if you look at his stats in his first two seasons, Robert Pires has got worse stats than Pepe in his first two seasons at Arsenal. And we slag Pepe off like he's nothing like Robert Pires. Now, in fairness, Robert Perez played less games because he had that horrendous injury um, that he picked up at Newcastle in 2002. But I think it's only about 15 or 20 games in it. And in the first two seasons, Pepe scored 20 goals and created 15, sorry, assists. So he scored 20, got 15 assists. Robert Perez had 13 goals only, and t- but 22 assists. So you look at that and you think how good Robert Perez was. And obviously he was older and he was like getting better. When I look at it, I actually think Pepe deserves a lot more credit. And the reason he doesn't get it, Craig, is because he was 72 million, which has got nothing to do with Pepe, by the way, and everything to do with Raul. So I think we need to start understanding that Pepe is actually a talent. And if he's utilised correctly in a system, I think we'll watch him shine. As for who I think is going to leave, who do I think time's up? I think there's quite a few, Craig, if I'm honest with you. But the main ones that I think we'll probably look to cash in on and get money are the young English lads like Willock, like Maitland-Niles, like Eddie and Ketia. I think Bellerin's time's clearly up. I think Granite Chaka looks like he wants to leave along with Luiz and Willian. And I think it would probably be wise to look at trying to get some money, as I said earlier, for both Torreira and Guendouzi. And the only other player that I'd look at, <clears throat> excuse me, from what Graham had said earlier, is that Callum Chambers has only got one year left. And as much as I'm not really a massive fan of the lad and I don't really hate the lad, I think he's an OK squad player, if I'm honest, and has done well this season. I think if the money was to come in with only a year left, I'd probably look to to sell him due to his injury problems and the fact that he's just not quite been able to put down a first team. So as I said, I think we'll see quite a lot of outgoings, um, but only maybe four or five tops coming in. And some of those, I think, will be youngsters. The other player we've got to remember who's coming back, Graham touched on Mavra Punch, but the one player that's coming in, I think Lee touched on him, is Saliba. And I think that if the season he's had out in France over the last two seasons at both Nice now and St Etienne or anything to go by. We have got a player who's very highly talented here from what we're seeing. And I thought one of the best players on the pitch on the FA Cup final was Fofana. Now Saliba's supposed to be better than this dude because everyone was raving about Saliba and no one had really mentioned Fofana. He's come into Leicester and have really done well. So I think in terms of the centre-backs, we definitely have Gabriel, Marie, Saliba, and maybe one that we'd buy. 
centre midfield is where we need to completely revamp because uh, with Pepe, I like Balogun, I like Martinelli, I like Aubameyang. So up front, we've got players there. We obviously like Saka and Smith-Rowe. Thomas Partey, though, is the only real midfielder I look at and go, yes, all the others, I'm like, Elneny, squad player, Chaka, squad player, probably leaving. Willock, Maitland-Niles, maybe getting some money for. Torreira, Gwendouzi. They're all just either out the door or not good enough to for the first team. So that's an area that really needs to re, be revamped. So there's no surprise for me that we're looking at the likes of Bissouma, Sander Berger, and players in the centre midfield position there that can help us in transition. Because like Graham was saying earlier in terms of lack of goals, defensively, we've seemed to have sorted most of it out. It's just going forward. And I think our midfield has been so poor, not just from goals, but also from creativity and from uh, transition, that I think if we can sort that out, then Mikel Arteta might just start to get things a little bit better moving forward and further up the pitch. Mm. Craig, can I just add one thing to the debate here that we haven't talked about? And that is the situation at Real Madrid now with Zidane leaving. Zidane's indicating that he's leaving at the end of the season. Does that change the Odegaard situation? And also, Sabayas is going back as well. So, Sabayas is another one that will be leaving. You know, I think it was positive. I think Arteta... Wanting to keep Odegaard. I'm just wondering with the situation changing at Real Madrid, what's the situation now of Odegaard? I don't know if Harry's got a view on that. So I would have said that we'd probably be more likely to get Odegaard if Zidane had stayed because he's clearly not part of his plans. Um, you know, he's had him there for, for years and he's he's never looked at him. He's sent him out on loan. He's constantly overlooked him. So... I don't think Zidane's big on Odegaard and I think that would have increased our chances of getting him. Having said that, you don't really know what the new manager's view is going to be. And we think it's probably going to be Allegri by the looks of it. Um, And if it is Allegri, not really sure how Odegaard really fits into his system unless he tweaks it a little bit from the way he used to play at Juve. So it'll be interesting, but... At least with Zidane, you kind of knew that Odegaard wasn't in his plans. And do you so want if him, you though, him, Do you want Odegaard? Would you take him? Because I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, I, I see if I'm with you, Dan. I'm, not, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not too sure I about wanted him. him. I, can do yeah. better. If yeah. I rewind two months ago, I absolutely 100% wanted him. Since Agreed. that injury, yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit unsure. I've got to be honest. So for me, it would depend on the price now. Can, can, I, can I just say one thing Odegaard? I think he suffered the way Arteta's changed this, the system around Harry. I don't know if you agree. Uh, uh, he's sort of like when he was playing at 10 he was playing in the half space now he seems the way he's played better in and moved the system around he seems to sort of like struggle to understand his role in the way because Arteta's changing the formation virtually every game isn't he so I just wonder whether the change in formation the continued changes in the formation have left Odegaard struggling to understand his role that's why his performances have been a dip it's not just the injury I think it's the way he keeps changing the system yeah it's it's that It's that, but also as well, you've got to think with... So you look at Emil Smith-Rowe, yeah? And you look how Emil Smith-Rowe thrives. All of his best moments, even when he's on paper playing as the 10, come when he pulls out to either the left or the right and he combines with someone in a tight space and then he gets away from people. Or you've seen him beat players and pull the ball back across the penalty area. That's where Emil Smith-Rowe thrives. And Emil Smith-Rowe's a, a little bit more comfortable in pulling out into those different areas, whereas Odegaard wants to play as a 10. And I mm. think people suss that out really quickly and opponents just pack up the midfield and they if you mark him in that particular area and cover that particular space, it's difficult. So I, I actually think that Emil Smith-Rowe, despite being 
a bit younger and a little bit injury prone has probably got a little bit more sophistication to his game. And and that's my worry about Odegaard. You're right, this current way we're playing, I'm not sure it gets the best out of him. And then I'm not sure that we should blow a big proportion of what's already going to be a tight budget on a player we're not 100% about. Absolutely. Lee, is it... Did someone come up in the chat there? I, I wanted to try and find the message, but I can't find it now. But he said... Would the best signing for Arsenal this season be a new, be a new number two um, for for Mikel Arteta? Because obviously this we've we've spoken about it before, haven't we? I mean, this one doesn't seem to be uh, too good, does he? If he's getting the advice he's getting from from his from his coaches um, on the sideline, it doesn't seem to be working very well. If he is taking the advice uh, from those coaches, so. It's a good point. Could you know? Could a, could a new assistant manager be be uh, you know be one of the top priorities for him? Well, it's a very very good point because it's because of what Arter has been allowed to do. Whether that's because he's not um, being challenged, I don't know. You know, a good number two gives you different options and um, makes you um, change a little bit more. Like you know, so I think that from that point of view, I think it's a. It's a good point. For me, I, I would look at it and say um, uh, the whole the whole lot needs changing because it's just not been good enough. And that's Arteta as well. But if you're going to keep with Arteta, I think maybe look at other things. Yeah, look at different things. Just, just I, I don't think it's so much the tactical side of the game. I think it's the the um, man managing the games when we're actually in the games, the substitutions and the tactical things. I think the way we set up and the training sessions probably good enough. But I just think it's, it's decision-making in um, in game, game management. And I think it's been poor. You know, I, I have to say that when he sat down, and, and I'm, I'm sure they did, they sit in a team meeting and, and say, I'm going to play a false nine in the semi-final, that I can't believe that none of them would have um, challenged him on that. You know, because I, I, I uh, we don't know. Maybe they did, and he's just ignored them. And if, if that's the case, if I was a number two, I would have to come and say, come back to him and say, "Look, you know, you've got me here for for my experience and advice. And you're going to have to start taking it, otherwise, I might not miles will not be here." Mm-hmm. So I think that there's that a little bit of that, and um, I think that. Um, for me, there, there does definitely needs to be a, a restructuring that department. And um, listen, I think there's lots of things wrong with Arsenal at the moment. And uh, I, I think that we, we have got to get a creative midfield player. There's no two ways about it now. I, I think that Ullegaard may be like another year on loan. I think with Ullegaard, just going back to that briefly, I thought was doing very, very well until that injury. So, um, and I think the injuries took him out of him a little bit. He was superb against West Ham when he took the game by the scruff of the neck. I don't think he was been allowed to in the last few games because of the, the system, as, as Graham was saying. But that's the worry, isn't it? That is the worry for me about Arteta and his and his groovy gang that um, they keep swapping and changing it all the time, and that that has got to stop. He's got to, you know, he could turn around and actually say, well, it's not because I haven't got the players that I want and I can't do what I want to do. So he's trying to tinker it and all that. Like, Get the players in that he that he wants and then he's going to have to uh, continue with a structure that he believes in. And I want to see like him continually changing things. And and if that means another new number two, then, then so be it. Mm. Nigel, are you... 
you know, we, we don't we, we don't really get to hear your opinion on, on the manager. Um, so what's your opinion on the manager, Nigel? For you, does he stay? Um, or or would you rather see someone else in there? Um, who you, who do you, who you think might manage these players better? Well, well, to be to be honest, um, I'm still I'm still very unsure about Arteta. To be honest with you, Craig, I think that I think if we get to next season, we're still in the same position as we are currently. He would have to go. To be to be honest. Yeah, but I'm still think that he could still do it. You still got a bit of confidence in him, have you? If he, if he's backed um, in the summer, yeah, you, know, you got a bit of confidence in him. If he yeah, gets if back, backed, if he in brings summer, in some, then, yeah. yeah, yes. Okay, oh, Graham, definitely. do you definitely? Graham, do you believe he will be backed, or are we wasting our time again? I think it's already been said. Um, we're in the times of a pandemic. The club have taken the loan of the government, so and I can't see how he's going to get uh, a self-sustaining model. And the Cronkies have got no history of putting money into the club. I think everything Harry said is correct. Uh, that's the model we're going to be going down the line of. And if we are, that concerns me. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I just think that, as I said, I I, I do think we need uh, those sort of players and that style that we need. I mean, he's. I think the important thing of next season is is, is that um, when I look back on this season, um, he changed the formation quite quickly from what was working last year uh, when he got party in, right? So he went to that four that four two three one, but he, he, he in effect he he was playing the midfield was very was very similar uh, similar sort of players, so we couldn't create. It's only when Smith Rowe came in after Christmas we saw an improvement in creativity. But um, I, I, as I say, I still think there's a lot of components of this team that needs to change. And they are talking about, as the boys have said already tonight, a lot of outgoings. There are a lot of outgoings going. I'm just wondering the, ingo- the incomings that are going to be coming. Arsenal's still a big club. We're not in Europe. But you'd like to think we still would attract some big players. But I just wonder whether we got the money. Uh, my concern with Arteta is his inexperience, uh, as Lee said, in-game management. I think he froze in that uh, semi-final against Villarreal. Poor decision-making. Uh, and he wasn't helped by the injuries in the lead-up. Another player that I think we need to talk about tonight is Lacazette. What does he do with Lacazette? He's got Balogun there. Let's talk about Balogun might need to go out on loan. Does he keep Lacazette? I mean, uh, do we cash in on Lacazette? I don't know what the boys think about that. You know, he's coming. We got a habit, these players, they all of a sudden, they come up for a contract renewal, put in a great season. And then we keep them and really we miss our chance of moving them on. So the, there's lots of things at the moment in the air at Arsenal. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Do yeah, I think he's like Graham's for sale, apart from Saka and Smith Rowe, it's Mummy Time and Tierney. Every other oh. one is for sale. Yeah, I agree. And Martinelli. 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 Yeah. 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 Will you, you sell Leno? Will you sell Leno? Because I think yeah. that goalkeeping that, that yeah. goalkeeping position yeah, now. Leno, bringing Johnson at West Brom if, if that's the case to make money. Uh, but for me, I was uh, listen. If Arsenal don't invest heavily this season, then there's no chance of top four. You know, I mean, it's no good willy nilly in it, like saying we're going to do this and do that and scrape it here and that. If they do that next season, right, they will not win nothing. You know, and, and this is the point. You know, Arsenal are very, very good. The PR stuff has all come out with a new shirt. Why have they brought this new shirt out right now? Why? Why? 
Never done it before. Yeah. Yeah, what's the well, time? It's seventy. I just, I just play, I just play a bit of devil yeah. advocate there towards the club. It's a, it's a celebration of the seventy-one double, isn't it? Um, yeah. So that's why that shirt has been out, been brought out. The retro style, retro style, nineteen seventy-one again. Yeah, but well, you want the right now, they're, gonna, they're wearing it on Wednesday. That's something they've never done before. It is a nice shirt and all that, like. But what it's doing is enticing the play, the, the fans yeah. to spend money. Which is fair yeah. enough, fair play. But ultimately, the club has got to spend money this summer. I, I don't care whatever they, whatever you say, whether it's a pandemic or not. If they don't, we are then going to be here this time next season talking about what's going on. It's as simple as that. If the club do not invest, and I mean, in, and, and the, the owner does not invest and heavily, then there's no way we're we're getting top four. Well, he's Let not doing that, is he? Top. He's got no history of investing league. But what's the what's the target for next season then? Top four is top four the target? Well, of course. Well, stay in the league at this rate. Yeah, stay stay in the league. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's what's going to cut over because at the end of the day, you know, you, <clears> we're, we're dropping. How far more are we going to drop? We're league. we're eight, you know now, what, though? under this under this last two years under this manager, right? Yeah. Whether you think it's, he's done a half of it and all that, we have not qualified for Europe twice via the league. If if it weren't for the FA Cup last season, we would not have qualified via league positions for Europe. Now that in itself is not good enough. So what are you going to do? Like so, last season, oh, let's not invest that much and look where we 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 haven't improved. So if we if we do it what well, the, the same format, if we do it again next season, we ain't going to improve. There's got to be a a, um, a tipping point where either the club turn around and say. Right, we're going to have to back the manager and we're going to have to spend big because this this is going to continue to happen or we sell up. It's as simple as that. But these players are better than 10th and 8th in the league, aren't they? Well, They're not, well no. They, they are. are. So, whatever you think. You can blame the Cronkies for the lack of investment. Blame the Cronkies for the lack of investment. But you've got to blame the manager for this season. He's got it wrong this season yeah, in so many ways. Yes, and, and he should have been getting more out of these players. He, he should have been, be. but he hasn't. The so, they've still said that he's going to keep his job, Graham. Mm. But you know what I mean? That's so, that, so they're confident. That's the biggest one. Point. That's the biggest one for me, is that we're going to keep this manager. And I don't feel, personally, um, whoever we sign, um, that we are going to, going to get good. I, I just fear that we're just going to waste six months of the season because I think we're going to get to Christmas and be out of everything again. Because I, I just don't feel, even with the Basumas and the players we're linked with, whoever we get, yeah, that we're heavily linked with, Bertrands, Basumas, whoever it be. I don't see enough with this manager to see that if he can get the be- can't get the best out of Thomas Party, that he can get the best out of some of the others. Because Thomas Party was not a poor signing. Thomas yeah. Party has been a poor signing and a poor player for us, but he wasn't a poor signing because everyone said, once we got Party and Gabriel, just won the FA Cup, top four is on. Next season's harder, by the way, because Chelsea are playing better with a good manager and have got a lot of money to spend. Man City are flying. Manchester United, if they get Harry Kane or if Chelsea get Harry Kane, I would actually put them to win the league ahead of Man City. And Liverpool, when they get Van Dijk and Henderson back, ain't going to be fighting, struggling for top four. So there's your four teams, in my opinion, top four. So I don't think next season top four is a realistic target at all because we're so far behind now because those four are going to jump everybody and we're going to be with Leicester Leicester and Spurs again and maybe West Ham and Villa if they stay around that place. So Mm. I feel like whatever we do, because we've got a manager that's just not ready, in my opinion... I feel like it is going to be a fight where we are again. I think we're going to be a seventh or eighth club again. I really do. 
that that view is a little bit unfair though in in some ways like to to say he did it he's not getting the most out of Thomas Partey you got to dig a little bit deeper than that why is he not getting the best out of Thomas Partey Thomas um, Partey Thomas Partey played in a two man midfield at Atletico Madrid he's got a a partner next to him he's had Granit Xhaka next to him for most of the season who whatever you say has had a decent season Right. And, and the reasons that Thomas Partey hasn't performed is because he's not been fit enough. He's struggled with injuries. The, there's been games where he can't pick out a pass to save his life. There's been games where he looks completely off the pace. Some of that is the manager's responsibility, but not all of it. You look at some of the other players as well. You know, when was the last time people have been criticizing him all season for the way he's used the Bamiang and Lacazette, right? Aubameyang last season had a fantastic season. This season, he's got 15 goals, which is still respectable. But on top of him getting 15 goals, Alexander Lacazette has got 17. So Arteta's found a way of getting something out of both of them and essentially increasing that goal count from the forward. So if you, you know, there are, you can look at it with the, the flip side of a lot of those things. And to say you should be getting more out of these players is based on what? It is based on what? I mean, like, Kieran Tierney, another one, fantastic player, can't bloody stay fit. You know, why, you, did, why did why did he persist with William for so long? Yeah, he got it question. wrong. He got it wrong. But he, I can I can pull out twenty five signings that Arsene Wenger got horribly wrong. Still doesn't deter from the fact he's our most successful ever manager. So every yeah, twenty five signings Alex, over about twenty five years, Aaron. Yeah, but Alex what's Ferguson the point signed what's Eric Jemba Jemba. What's Jemba the point here, Harry? I'm missing I'm missing the point here, Harry. What is the, the point? Po- the point here. The point here is that we can say he got it wrong and he's got some things wrong as well, but you can't just take the responsibility off of everybody else and, and pinpoint Harry, it all on him. I agree with what you're saying to a certain degree, but let's, let's get something straight. Semi-finals of the of Europa League. Willian, Gabriel, yeah, two of his signings. Mm. Cedric, yeah, another one of his signings. Where were they? He didn't play in the semi-final, Cedric. He didn't play in the semi-final. We chose not to play him. The geezer was in hospital the day before. <laughs> who, who was? Cedric. Oh, well, we'll let off Cedric. Gabriel, then. We've all sat all season and said that Gabriel and Rob Holding just don't work together. All of us hit right here have said that. That that pair as a pairing doesn't work. And now we're going to go back and say, why didn't yeah, Gabriel play? Then, then, then I look at it then. I look at it and, 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 and you know, <sighs> Chambers played really well for four games and then, then all of a sudden he's left out. Uh, why? For Bellerin that didn't play well. The best three players for, for us against Newcastle, by the way, were Gabriel, Martinelli and El Nini, all right, in that game against Newcastle, all three on the bench. For the next game, and he brings back Bellerin. Bizarre. What? So I, bizarre. You know, I'm, I, I, the end of the day, I, I agree. I, I don't think, uh, uh, I don't think Pep, Pep would have got this squad to, to fourth in the league. But ultimately, you have to look at teams like West Ham. Look what they're doing with their coach and what they've done consistently. And they're, 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 he's got the best out of that, those players he possibly can. Got every bit out of him. Has Arteta done that with Arsenal? No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. But you you can't put all of the blame on him. No, he's made mistakes. He has made a lot of mistakes. But a lot of, a, a lot of the things that I feel that he gets picked on for 
and not his fault as well. You look at Thomas Tuchel the other day. All of us would swap Mikel Arteta for Thomas Tuchel right now. Look what he did in the cup final. He pissed about with the team. He changed the way they wanted to play. He bombed out certain players, went for Werner up top after Havertz had been performing really well. He, he made so many changes and he disrupted the team. The point I'm making is that managers will do things and yes, they can prove in hindsight to be the wrong decisions. But ultimately, if your 11 players don't go out on the pitch and don't deliver and make mistakes and don't apply themselves correctly, you know, you can change Arteta tomorrow, but you just said it yourself, uh, Joe. Pep wouldn't and, get and, us in the top four. So just, exactly what you said there. You've just smashed your argument because everything you said there is correct. Now explain to me why uh, Martinelli has not played in those games when he has done everything that you've just said that it, that there. He's given it pace, he's given it power, he's done everything that he possibly can. He's been overlooked week in, week out. Four people like Willian, four people like Abamyang, four people like um, forever. And and that's that's that 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 is the problem that I've got. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. That sometimes, Harry, but you, you, there's no way. You, I, listen, I've been on the fence with Mikel Arteta, as you well know, and I've. Uh, there's no way am I am I defending him for that? Yes, Tuchel made tremendous mistakes in the in the cup final and that. Well, Arteta's done that in the last two games in, of of uh, of, um, of the Champions League. He's made horrendous mistakes. Horrendous. Yeah, but okay. So the Martinelli argument. Let, the Martinelli argument is a big one, right? Everybody's talking about it all the time. How many goals when he has played this season has Martinelli contributed? He has he has played 20 times for Arsenal this season. He's made 20 appearances and he scored one goal. How can you justify taking Nicolas Pepe out of the side who's got 12 goals or well, taking a well, Bamiang out of the side who's got 15 goals or taking Who would you have taken out then? I would I would have put Saka at left back. Right for yeah. those games and played Martinelli. Martinelli does everything that that. So you that, would have played. You would have played a left winger at left back with Martinelli in front of him. I would have. Let, they've worked really well together. Uh, I, I would have actually, if if, if Granny Shaka wasn't fit that day, if he had stayed fit, I would have put him in the midfield. Yeah, I would have done that. It would have got me Martinelli in the side, uh, who 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 chases, shuts down, does every. He ticks every box that Mikel Arteta wants. But he doesn't play, Mary. And, I, and Mary. I, I don't care what anybody says. That you cannot excuse. Cannot excuse. Saka is not the the answer left back. But I tell you what, he's played. He, he then 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 against West Brom, he plays him at left back in a game that now, like you know, what I mean, that's, that's West Brom at home. Harry, Harry. West Brom. Well, I tell you <laughs> what, Villarreal, Villarreal ain't that great, Harry. Well, come on, West Brom. Come on, never, never had a go. At them. Never had a go. The formation, right? You got the formation wrong with the false nine in the first game. But he changed the formation again in the second leg, didn't he? He went, he went for like a four-one-four-one. So he had Party as a single midfielder. That was basically. Is anyone sorry? He went for a totally different system in the second leg as well. Can I can I come in? Can I come in, Craig? Can I come in? Yeah, Does anybody think he's been doing all this chopping and changing and around because he knows he's not going to be under pressure from supporters in the stadium? Does anyone think that's got a little bit to do with it? I, I mean, we're going to, the fans, the fans are coming back into the stadium. I just don't know. I just you don't know, know what the, he's the, doing. He, he just, the the fans, okay, go on then. Yeah, go on. I'll finish in a minute. Go on. I just, I just think he rotates because he obviously, they look at sports science, Harry, they look at the players' fitness levels and their recovery time. They look at that to pick the next 11. But I think he's just decided this season with 
a lot of games close together, he's just going to rotate the team. I think that's what he's done. I don't. But, I think, but, I, but, truly but believe, I, I truly believe, I truly believe he's experimenting. He's changed the formation too much. He's used so many different formations all the time. I truly believe that he's experimenting because he knows there's no pressure. I don't think we'll see him experiment as much. When, when the fans start coming back into the stadium, you know what the Emirates is like. Yeah, you know, we, to, we, we, we've seen it yeah. before. I, I, he is going to be, he will, I mean, when the fans come back into the stadium, I think for, for one, the Cronkies are going to be more under pressure when the fans get back into the stadium. We've seen what we can do if we put, if we put out a call to arms. They had a massive protest the other week. There's going to be another one um, against Brighton, I believe, last game of the season. That's going to be a big one. Um, you know, Dan, there's got to be, there's got to be some method to my madness. That, that no. he won't be allowed to get away with what he's been doing um, with a, with a, with 60,000 people in there. Greg, spot on, mate. What you've just said there is 100% spot on. When the fans get back into this ground, Arteta is not going to be able to get away with no. these silly false nines and chackers at left backs. It just won't happen. The fans will go absolutely nuts. We saw what it was like with Emery. Christ, those fa- well, fans pretty much got Emery sacked. You know, Raul and the others didn't want him to go, did they? And the fans were going absolutely nuts. And rightly so, because everyone had enough at the end of Emery's era. But I've had more of enough now at the end of Arteta's era than I did at the end of Emery's era, that's for sure, because we certainly weren't in... Um, in the position that we were now, we would still had a chance to fight to get to Europe and we ended up winning the FA Cup. So the fans being back in the ground, 100% Cronkies are under pressure anyway. We're going to see that at the weekend, that they're definitely going to be under pressure outside the ground. When people get back into it, the manager won't have the chance to make some of the mistakes he's made this season. And, you know, I know Harry's trying to look at it both sides and he's trying to look at the stuff that Arteta's done and he's achieved to get out of Lacazette and Aubameyang with some of those goals. They have missed a hell of a lot, by the way, our forwards this season. But I but think is that, that in his control. That's the that's the key point. Is that in his control? No, I, I was. That was what my point was. I think that yeah. my point was that that we have missed a hell of a lot of chances. And Bakayu Saka is one of those that's missed. I think quite a lot of chances in my. Well, opinion. I, I, and he's I, had, I he's had and he's had a lot of you know a lot of those you know he's had a lot of decisions go against him as well. Again, that's not in his control, is it? You know. Well, I, mean? I, I think I think it is. Is it? It, it, it is in his control, Harry. When he's playing the two forwards the way he plays them. When he asked Lacazette to sort of like play almost like a number ten and then support as a second forward. When he's got to run 30 yards to get on the end of a chance, that's that's him asking him to play that role. That means by the time he arrives in the back box, he's probably not in the best. I think I think you're right there, Graham. In terms of the the, the way he's asking to sit up, I think what, what and also Bamiang. He asked Bamiang to play in so many different positions all through the yeah, season. Yeah, I agree. So and so, so that is that is in his control. Yeah, well. so, so yeah, I, I agree. And with when that. these players, when these it? players, Harry, when these players, sorry, Dan, when these no, players no. know they're only going to get one chance, the way we've been playing. We haven't been creating chances, have we? How many shots have we had? But they've, not been, they, they've not been getting when... one chance, though, Graham. That's that's one of those narratives. I've got, that's to, agree, I've got to agree with Harry here. I'm they, sorry. If, if, if a Bambi Young... If a no Bambi one Young agrees with Harry, Harry, correct. No one agrees with Harry. Is there? <laughs> I do. If a, Bambi Young, <laughs> if, a, if a Bambi Young or Lacazette goes clean through or Saka, we've seen Saka do it and misses, you know... That was my point. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, yeah. what I want to know... When the forward misses, that is not... That's not I want to know. Get that. What I want to know, Gra- Graham, just there, in an indirect way, you've just made, basically just made an excuse for that chance that Lacazette missed in the European game where he burst all the way through. He had nobody anywhere near him. He opened up his foot and he hit it off the crossbar. You've just basically shifted the blame off of Lacazette for missing that 
onto Mikel Arteta for having him drop into a deeper position. So why don't you give the same uh, leeway to the manager as you're giving to the players that for years and years and years have delivered the same issues? That, that that's I, I was fuming with Arteta after the Europa League. I, I, I went on the thing afterwards and I said, you know, I think maybe now it's time for him to go, genuinely. But when you calm down and you look at it all fairly, I think that we do pass a lot of the blame for some of the things that the players are at fault for onto Mikel Arteta. And, and that's not fair, in my opinion. Lacazette missed that chance because Lacazette, throughout his entire footballing career, throughout his time in the Premier League, at least when I've watched him every week, has never been as clinical as he needs to be. That's not on Arteta. I, I didn't know that chance wasn't on Arteta, Harry. I'm talking about collectively. So basically, in the season, if you look over a spread of games, he asked Lacazette to play in that role, didn't he? I'm not, all right, you, you've identified that. One. And he it's scored all... more goals in the Premier League than he's ever scored for Arsenal. OK. Can we just I think chances have been missed and have cost us games. Um, and and I, I do believe. Also, mistakes have cost us games. Silly mistakes, you know what I mean? So I, I agree with Harry. It's not all down to Arteta. But when the push comes to to shove, he has made howlers. You know what I mean? Like the false nine, for instance. Like then, then playing Thomas Party in midfield, one against three, the other uh, in in the second leg. You know what I mean? They're, they're things that are inexcusable. Ten minutes from the end of the game, we need a goal. We takes a Bamiang off and puts Willian on, who hasn't scored all season, let alone twenty games. You know what I mean? Like like you know, and then and then. Two minutes from the end brings Eddie on. You know, like silly things like that, you know. Listen, he's made mistakes. He's made mistakes that if he makes these same mistakes next season, he's gone. Absolutely gone. No excuses, whatever. He'll be hounded out. Um, as simple as that, because the fans won't take it. Agreed. Uh, and I'll be honest, the fans now, I, I think... And whatever way like you can say of it, and, and then, you know, even Harry has turned around and said that after that game, he won't win that. You know what I mean? I, I, I think the fans. Oh. Every I, think, I think Craig wants to come in. Oh, oh, Craig. Go on, Craig. I've got to go and put my kids to bed. But <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want this conversation to end. So I'm leaving, and Dan is going to take over because. I don't think it's fair. If you're all up for staying around and, and carrying on, I don't think it's fair on the people watching that this conversation ends. A few more minutes, tell Absolutely yeah, brilliant. Um, even I'm sitting here just like, I don't really want to do anything else. But listen, I've got to go. I'll see you all next week. Thank no you worries. for nearly That's 600 right. of you watching this live. Thank you very much for me personally. My thanks to all my great guests, again, bringing you this fantastic chat um, about the club we all love. Um, we all want the same thing at the end of the day. I'm going to go, but I'm going to leave you in the capable hands of Dan, Lee, Graham, Nigel and Harry. Until we see you again, well, until I see you again, take care of yourselves and each other. Up the Arsenal. Over to you, Dan. Yes, Thank you very much indeed, so, mate. Much appreciated. Um, one word answers for the four of you before we move on. Arteta in or out. That's what I want, because what we're talking about here is is stuff, again, that we've been talking about throughout the whole season. But really, the most important thing is, do we want to stick by this manager? You know, my answer is out 100%. I would replace him. One word answers before we move on. Lee, in or out? Out. Graham? <laughs> out. Nigel? Out. Harry? 
I can't do this in a one-word answer. I'm going to say in, and I'm going to say in because what we're, the bigger picture at Arsenal Football Club is that, yes, Mikel Arteta will be under immense pressure next season, and rightly so. But ultimately, if he doesn't get the back in that he needs in the summer to improve this team, then it doesn't make the slightest bit of difference who you bring in because this team is not good enough to finish in the top four consistently. No, so I, agree. Unless, I, I, so I agree with that. I agree with that. And, and so one, unless, one thing, I, one thing I, if I can quickly add, what you've seen at Tottenham Hotspur this season is they've sacked Mourinho without a plan. So if, if, if we're going to... I don't want to see Arteta gone unless we've got something lined up, someone good lined up to replace him. To just get rid of him and no plan would, would not be the way to go. So... Um, I, I look. I think he needs to hit the season run uh, running next year. If he doesn't, I, I can't see him surviving. But so the if, problem if he is, stays, which we think he will, Graham. How long do you give him if he's going to stay, which we think, believe he's going to? What do we give him then? Well, he's got to start the season well in the first, I think, half a dozen games. For me, it depends where we are. Of course, they've got to be in the top four. First the, six the games, got to win four and draw two. If, if we start, if the fixtures come out next season, the first two games of Man City away, Liverpool at home, he's probably not going to be in the top four, is he? So I think you need to look a bit wider that, than that, Lee. But I just think you can no, see no, how. Why? Well, I, 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 listen, I think you need to see what happens in the yeah, summer. Can't do the business. <laughs> out. Can't out. Look, see, see the, the see the the recruitment that's made in the summer, and see what how he sets the team up next year and how they start. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If he does, if he if he buys. Say, for instance, Arsenal sort of do the same sort of business as they've done last season, right? Then you, you might as well, you know, what I mean, you might as well go buy the shirt and, and and sit indoors all the time because you, you're going to be in the same position talking about it now. And I agree with Harry what he's saying. You know, whoever comes in ain't going to change that. They might get us to six, but they're not going to get us to fourth. You know, what I mean, it needs to be. He needs to be properly back. Now, do I trust him to be properly back? On what I've seen this season, no, I don't. And I don't Lee, think this is a good. Does. This is a good question coming into this. I'll let you answer it, Lee, because you're pretty much touching on it. Answer this question, then, Sam Greenwood, top man, and thank you for this question. How does backing him with money teach him the fundamentals he's missing, man management wise and game management wise? Great question. It's a great question, but I tell you what: when you're winning, when you're winning games of football, it all becomes a lot easier. That, 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 and, I, and I mean that to see whatever level of football you're at. If he starts winning games of football. It will be easier for him. My problem with him, whether he's got a lot of money or not, is that he cannot, for whatever reason, consistently win games of football. Five, six, seven, eight games of football. He cannot He cannot do it. Now, you can talk about pandemic. You can talk about that. That's something that if he is, wants to get into the top four, he has to address. Now, yeah. chopping and changing is not going to work. And not gonna. He's got to stick to the players that he has, and he's got to be. And 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 I think, and I think that Harry's alluded to this. Like the reason he's chopping and changing because he probably don't trust half of these players. Yeah, and Harry, if I bring you in in terms of uh, to to give him a bit of a play, a bit of a devil's uh, avocado. Uh, what do you think in terms of the uh, kind of form table? since Christmas. I keep hearing this, we're third since Christmas. Is that progress? Is that something to be positive about? Does that prove that Arteta can get a run going together consistently with this team? It proves that 
that we've improved on the first half of the season, which was which was shocking. But shambles. Yeah. The, the good the good thing about it is that it does show that in comparison to some of the clubs that we're trying to catch up to, we've been there or thereabouts, and and you can't dismiss that. I said it halfway through the season. If Arsenal failed to qualify for Europe this season, it was going to be because of that shit run we had, um, you know, in the lead up to Christmas. It wasn't going to be because of what we did in the second half of the season. Because if people were thinking we were going to go out in the Premier League and win 15 games on a trot, they're deluded. That was never going to happen. So you can take some encouragement from that. But going back to that question about what's he going to, you know, how's he going to learn the fundamentals of which is the man management and the game management. I think that there's been too much made of the the game management thing. I think there has been games where he's made mistakes and he's got it wrong. But I also think there's kind of this just this thing amongst the Arsenal fans in general, where it's like there's certain players that if they're not playing, they'll just kick off about his game management. Martinelli being a prime example. I love Gabriel Martinelli, but he's contributed one goal and and that's that's not enough. You look Has he at, been given a fair run in the side with those no, 20 prob- appearances? Probably not. But if you're Mikel Arteta and you're you know looking at getting over the line so you can salvage your season... Can you take that risk of putting him in just to give him time? I'm not saying that he should never have played or should never have got even more opportunities no. than he had. All I'm saying is that he, when he has played, it's not been so good that it's been impossible to leave him out. And it's the same with loads of players. I actually think Mikel's been too loyal to some players. I think Bukayo Saka for the last few weeks has been dreadful. I think he misses chances. I think he's wasted really good situations. Um, he's had a great season overall as a youngster. But his returns are not particularly good, yet he continues to play every week. So I think he's been too loyal to some. He's trusting certain players. And I get why, because they're the future of the club and all of that. But he's, I don't know, I just, when I look at what Mikel Arteta has done, for me, the man management thing is a bigger issue than the game management. But then you can't have sat there for the last 10 years moaning about Arsene Wenger letting everybody get away with everything. And then the minute you've got a manager who leaves a Bamiang out after disciplinary issues, who, um, you know, drops players when he doesn't feel they're doing what he wants and, and all of that and bombs out players on loan when they're not sort of of the right attitude, then you can't have it both ways. That's that's kind of my point. You know, you've... No, Dan, Dan, can I just ask Harry, Harry a quick question? A quick question, Harry. Mm. Should a big club like Arsenal give a managerial role to uh, somebody who's never managed a club before? Should that, a big club like Arsenal be taking that risk? Should we have appointed him in the first place? No, I wouldn't have appointed him in the first place. I, I did a podcast the day before we appointed him saying that it was the wrong move. I, I, don't, I don't think it's the right move. But then Juventus have appointed Andrea Pirlo. Not that it's worked out very well, but they've done it. Barcelona appointed Pep Guardiola with no managerial experience. And then Luis Enrique with no managerial experience. And they were both successes. So it's, it, it's, we're not the only club that's ever done it. You know, so it's not like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, if you think he's the right man for a job, then you give it to him. And and for me, you know, I've interviewed people in roles that I've had in sort of the, my previous line of work. And someone's come in with jack shit experience, but I've got a good vibe and a good feeling about them and felt that they needed the break and the chance to show what they can do. And I've, and I've given them the role. You know, I, I don't I, I don't think you can just go by precedent on that. 
Graham, I want to bring bring you in in just one second on saying I think it's important. But Harry, I just want you to answer this because I know you won't mind. This isn't me digging you out, mate. But I, want, I think it's important because obviously you've mm-hmm. you've answered this before with me. Uh, Harry, uh, Alex McCarthy says, Harry, honest question, mate. What's the difference between your views regarding Emery and Arteta when it's clear that Emery got more out of the team regarding points? As I say, that's not me digging you out, mate, because I know you've got an answer for it. So you gave Emery a hard time. You're not giving Arteta such a hard time. Why is that? It's for a number of reasons. I'll keep it brief because I know like we've run well over. But first, the, the one, the main reason for me is I believe in Mikel Arteta and I didn't believe in Unai Emery. And, and that's massive. I think as a fan, you're willing to be more patient with someone if you've got buy-in on their ideas. And I do actually believe that even though he's struggling to get there at the moment, Arteta is on the right track in terms of where his end goal is. I don't think he's necessarily there yet or anywhere near it, but the idea is right. I think in terms of the culture change at the club, which was the big thing that won me over when he joined, we were talking about culture change. We were talking about the need for a manager to be harsh, a need for a manager to kick out people with the wrong attitude. And Mikel Arteta has done that, even though it has cost him on the football pitch. He's done it where he's run the risk of upsetting people who would have made a difference to him on the football pitch because he's looking at the bigger picture. Whether that be Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who most managers wouldn't have had the bollocks to, to, to drop from the team after what happened with that Spurs game. Whether it's Matteo Genduzzi, who at times this season we could have really done with in the centre of midfield when certain players were missing. and and But he's seeing the bigger picture. I think that there is so much that needs correcting at Arsenal that we're going to have to go through pain before we're going to see progress. And... You know, some people won't be patient enough to do that. But if we were to sack Mikel Arteta now, I would feel like we tasked him with a job, tasked him with overhauling the direction in which the club was going, tasked him with changing the culture. And then we pulled the plug because a few angry fans were were shouting about it. And I'm not talking about you guys because you guys are educated fans. You you look at it and you you come to your opinions and that's absolutely fine. But if you let 60,000 people in the Emirates manage the team, we ain't going to be any better off. I can tell you that because there are a lot of people that look at it, in my opinion, too simplistically. Don't look behind the kind of the, the face of it. There are a lot of things we don't know. And and to sum that up, the point that we was discussing earlier about the number two, um, and there's, you know, it's a fair debate, but how do we know what influence the number two has? How do we know what of those ideas yes. have yes, come from point. the number two, have come from Mikel Arteta? And ultimately, he's the number one. He's the manager. So he's going to have his way. So I, I think it's yeah, I unfair to, to yeah. kind of dig out the number twos and the coaching staff and all that, because ultimately yeah, they're no, his I employees. I agree with that. Graham, I want to bring you in quick before we just come to the final bit. We still don't have a style of play, in my opinion, bro. 18 months in. What's your opinion on that with Arteta and, and what's a realistic target? I'm going to go around in a minute and ask for next season. If we're looking at things the way they are currently with this owner, with a, a parrot war chest in the summer. So talk to me about a style of play with Arteta and then we'll go into the realistic target for the league next season. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he hasn't got he hasn't stamped his identity on the team because he keeps changing formation and players, rotating all the rest of it. 100%. He hasn't got an identity. I think he wants to move to a 4-3-3, but he hasn't got the players to do it. I think he said that in his press conference in December. I think ultimately the, the formation for this club is a 4-2-3-1 with the players we've got. And he needs to get the players in that, the right players in the right positions in that formation. So I think 4-2-3-1 next season, get the players in that fit that system. 
that don't play square peg in round holes and stop overcomplicating the play by asking players to do things that basically um, they struggle to do in games, you know, sort of like um, asking Jacker to sort of play left weak, left back, you know, which I, I think was a mistake. Uh, and, and just and also playing false nines. I think he needs to sit to what set the team up in structure, get the pillar of the team right, uh, get your structure right, and get the players in the positions where they're comfortable. And less of the less of the direction that he gives, and let players just be free to express themselves on the pitch. So yes, he's struggling with identity. I think he'll find if he puts players in the right positions. For me, it's got to be a four-two-three-one with this squad. Fair play. And just before we move around, Graham, we'll start. Leave it with you, Graham. Realistic target for us moving into next season. Um, very difficult to say. Only in the I league. Think... Only in the league, mate. No Europe. So it looks like so. Yeah, so so will will that be good that we're you know he's got more time on the that's one thing he will have next year, Dan. He'll have yeah, more time on I the training so. ground with the players. Yeah, so I think look, he should be aiming for top four, as simple as that. Um, and anything less than top four, I think we need to look at that. Uh, I, you know, for me, he's got to finish in the top four next season. It's going as Lee said, it's very difficult. Man United, Man City, Chelsea, and Liverpool are ahead of us, so. It, and with the, not the right signings, it's hard to see how we're going to break into that top four. We are a fifth, or probably at the moment, I think, with Leicester, we should be, and Tottenham in the top seven, not below the likes of Everton, Aston Villa um, and West Ham. So the fact that he's below those clubs, you question his credentials, don't you? So I think minimum is top six, but I'd like to think we need to get into that top four. And if he doesn't, depending on what happens next season, his position needs to be... Highly scrutinised, in my opinion. I totally agree. I think as close to the top four as you can get, minimum fifth, sixth. Nigel, what about yourself, mate? Uh, well, I, I totally agree what Grant says. If, if realistically, we need to get top four, but I think, possibly, I think we could be fifth or sixth. Fair play, mate. Yeah, I think we're on the same wave. There. Harry, any, any agreements there, disagreements? I think he has to challenge for the top four. And when I say challenge, if we do miss out, it has to be by a handful of points yes. or going into the last few games of the season. It cannot be December and we're out of the top four race. He has to maintain a challenge for the top four. But I'll tell you one thing, if he ends up with Tosin from Fulham and Sander Berger as his only signings, then you can forget it. And I won't be throwing him under the bus if, if, if he's not back properly. That's a great point. Judges on that point, if he's not back in the summer, what we expected. Totally agree what Harry says. Um, I, I think that he's got to be challenging for the top four. I think if he's in December and we're where we are that last uh, December, then he's got to go. Simple as that, um, because he's he has he's run out of um, credit. Uh, the, he had a little bit of credit with the FA Cup. That's gone now with this season. Season he's got to challenge him for it. Totally agree with what Harry said. He's got to be back. And I'm not going to get excited about Arsenal Football Club until I see what's happening in the transfer. Listen, I love that shop. I absolutely love it. But I won't be buying it until um, what I see in the transfer market because I'm gonna, otherwise I'm going to look at it and think, you know, and be bitter about it. Like like, like it is a lemon, I'll be bitter about it. Like, you know? <laughs> so, um, and that's how I feel at the moment. I want to see the club invest properly. I've just seen someone put a tweet out. I don't know if I've got it here. If I, let me just quickly have a look at it, see if I've still got it up. Right, and it is uh, an absolute interesting thing. 
You never um, know, judges. It could be number 10, Jack Grealish, on the back of that nice new no, shirt. It, 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 said, <laughs> it, it, it had Grealish. Yeah, there it is now. Grealish, 70 to 80 million. Bertram, free. Lamptey, 30 million. Awar, 30 million. Basuma, 30 million. That is a total spend of 160 million. Is that realistic, do you think? I don't. Well, there you go. Would, would, you, would, you, would you cash in Pepe to take Grealish? Yeah, Cashy. Well, you, look, listen. That is the outlay of it, what he's saying there, which is, I think, is a fair enough point. You know what I mean? Like that is 160 million pounds worth of outlay. That would get you Grealish, Bartram, Lamptey, Awat, and Basuma. Right? It may be a little bit more than that, if I'll be honest. Of 180 million. So Pepe, Lacazette, Maitland-Niles, uh, Willock, um, Torreira, Guendouzi. All of a sudden, you've got 100 million. So, in basically, you're spending 60, 70 million to get those players. No excuses. Get those players. If those players sign for Arsenal, we have a realistic chance with Arteta to get top four. I think that's a nice way to end it, if I'm honest yeah. with you. End it on a positive note, or at least try to. Uh, boy, it's been a bit strange, really, me taking over in the last few minutes, but I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, thank you, Graham. Top man, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Good man. Nigel, top man, thanks for coming on, buddy. Oh, thanks, Dan. It's great to be on again. Good stuff, mate. Thank you for coming on. Harry, always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you. I know I'm 39 minutes and we haven't argued that much. That's unbelievable. Nice, that's man, yeah. first, you must have missed me, first. Dan. You must have missed me, mate. <laughs> that's what it is, mate. Um, and, of course, Lee. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, no worries. I'm starving, hungry. I had no dinner yet. Like, you know what I mean? It's, uh, <laughs> commitment. That's what it is. Yeah, commitment get to this a podcast. Big Mac. Oh, Uber eats Big Mac. Lee. A grand, a grand Big Mac on the way, Lee judges. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone in the chat. Thanks everyone for watching. We will see you next time. Until then, up the Arsenal. Take care of yourselves. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 